feel like this is the Holy Spirit is instructing. We did this last week. Uh, this may be unusual or different for many people, but that's okay. We're all learning together. But the Bible gives us ways where we can build ourselves up. It gives us a specific way we can build ourselves up and build up our faith, and that's praying in the Holy Spirit. And what we mean by that here is uh, praying in your heavenly language, your prayer language, praying in tongues. And so what we're going to do right now is I'm going to ask everyone to stand up, and we're going to prepare ourselves to receive his word. Go ahead and stand with me. It's like last week. Every once in a while, I I guess I should feel this all the time. Maybe I do, and and I'm not paying attention to it, but I definitely feel the urgency and and just an extra charge last week and today again that the words that I'm going to be sharing are extremely important. It's the kind of thing that if we grab a hold of this, it's going to change not only our lives, but our families, our church, our community. I mean, it's, it's, it's transforming everything in our path. But we can also miss it. We can also neglect it. We can, we can ignore it. Or we can take the word of God lightly. And the, we should not lightly esteem his word. We should take his word, not serious where we get sour faces and that kind of thing. But what I mean by taking his word serious where we, we, uh, it is our priority, we embrace it. And so what we need to do is we need to shake off the complacency or, or the, what we tend to do is settle. You know, after the, the worship time comes and we sit and snuggle in these nice comfortable chairs and we can just get into passive mode. But I want to encourage you to, to get into aggressive receiving mode, okay? And so what we're going to do as we pray in the Spirit, we're going to stir up our, we're preparing ourselves to receive from Him. And so if you don't have a prayer language yet, that particular prayer language, then what I want to encourage you to do is just to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I ask you to prepare my heart to receive what you have for me. And just begin to tell your mind to be quiet and to focus on Him and not the, the laundry that needs to be taken care of or the assignment that's due tomorrow at school or whatever. But our focus it's going to be on Him. Amen? So right now, we're just, going to, we're just going to pray and just stir ourselves up. We thank You for Your Word. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your life-changing power, O oh God. We thank You that You've invited us to draw closer to You, to be more effective, to be more fruitful. And Father, so we choose, we choose to honor your word. We choose to pay attention to your word. We choose to make room in our hearts for you. We choose Jesus right now to set you as Lord on our heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So Father, we thank you for helping us to put aside all distractions, all the, all the stuff that would try to come against your word. Father, we guard our hearts and we ask you to set a guard on this word so that when the word is received in our hearts that the enemy doesn't come and steal it away. And Father, we thank you for preparing our heart that it is the right soil, that is the kind of soil that's going to allow the word to bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit, oh God. We thank you, we love you, we bless you. We give you all the honor and glory. And Father, again, we declare that we are here for you. It is all about you and it's all about your kingdom. We love you, Father. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing. I thank you that this place is full of people that are passionate for you. That this place is full of people that are hungry for the things of God. And Father, we are no longer satisfied with the status quo. We're no longer satisfied with what the world has to offer. We're no longer satisfied with just going through the motions of religion 
or going to church or being good people. But Father, we choose to walk in the power and the presence of your kingdom. We choose to walk as Jesus did. And we choose to surrender to your prop, your preparation and your process to prepare us, to conform us to the image of Jesus so we can walk as Jesus did, so that you would be glorified and that you would receive the fruit that you paid for, Father. That is our desire. And we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. For those of you who were not here last week, um, for good reason, there was a little bit of white stuff on the ground, along with ice. And I appreciate those of you who did make it here safely, even though some of you were spinning out, doing 360s out in the street in front of us. Kind of scared me a little bit. But anyway, if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to, you can uh, go on the website and, and watch or listen to the, uh, to the message from last week. I'm going to be continuing from that. Um, as I mentioned before, the Lord brought to me the term P-A-D-D, and Lisa Campbell brought it up again this morning in prayer, but that, that's something that the Lord's been really ministering to me about. P-A-D-D stands for Prayer Attention Deficit Disorder. We've all heard of attention deficit disorder. Some of us may be very acquainted with that. But the Lord says that I'm dealing with, or I've been struggling with, prayer attention deficit disorder. In other words, when I come and spend time with him, I've been very distracted, easily distracted, even more so than I ever have before. And I started noticing it, that I'll just sit there and start reading a word or praying or worshiping, and all of a sudden... You know, I'm thinking about the cell phone, maybe I'll get a text, or thinking about alerts, or, and all this kind of stuff, and I'm just distracted. And even though I may be sitting there, supposedly spending time with him, my mind and my heart and my affections and everything are just scattered. And the Lord says, you need to deal with that, because if I don't deal with that, if I just continue to go along with that, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to move into all that he has for me. And I believe he, he, I believe he is saying that to us as the church. That we need to get back to focusing our affections on him. You know, I read out of, of uh, John chapter 15. And I was sharing with you how Jesus wants us to con- have the kind of relationship with him. Where we pray and he answers. We pray and he answers. Because for the most part, a lot of times we pray and we may get 10, 15, 20, 30%. If we're really good, we may hit 50% success rate as far as our prayers being answered. And that's not the will of God. That's a lot of wasted space, a lot of wasted breath, a lot of wasted time. When you're praying and praying and praying, you're not seeing anything happen. Something's wrong with that. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. That's what he said. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. And by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be his disciples. See, he's glorified. I mean, imagine how this would play out practically. Someone comes to you and they're hurting or, or they're sick or they, they got problems and, and you begin to minister to them and you pray for and with them. And they come back to you a few days later and and the things you prayed for came to pass. 
And you keep doing that, and they keep seeing that, and they're like, wait a minute, every time I go to this person, man, their prayers are answered. Don't you think that's going to bring glory to God? But unfortunately, prayer has become just kind of a, a religious nice thing to do. Like, you hear it all the time, even amongst non-believers. God wants to be glorified, and he chooses to be glorified through his sons and his daughters. And he also wants to kind of have the relationship with us where he calls us his friends, Right? Remember in the Old Testament, there were two examples of friends of his, Moses and Abraham. People that God would would talk to and and even say, hey, should we not tell Abraham what we're about to do? And God was about to do something big. A big judgment was about to come on Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, should we not tell Moses, our friend, what we're about to do? And he shared with Moses and we see what Moses did. He talked to him. He said, Lord, will you destroy the whole city? Even if there's 50 people, 50 righteous people. And he talked God all the way down to 10. And God said, you know what? Abraham. Was it Abraham? Yeah, Abraham. At least you guys are paying attention. He says, if I find 10 righteous people, I will not destroy that, um, that city. And it's interesting. I learned this. I was talking to a pastor this week. We're talking, and we got to talking on that, and he was showing me, he said, you realize that he thought there was 14 and there might be, but we couldn't find 14 off the bat. But Lot had, who was Abraham's nephew, had direct influence with 10 to 14 people. At least 10, because you count, you know, his sons, his daughters, his in-laws, and that kind of, his wife and everything. And so here's what I think. Now, this is, this is, let's say it's CJ, okay? Don't put too much stock in this. Let's say it's 10 people. And Abraham knew that God was about to wipe out because God told him about to wipe out the city. My nephew lives there. Oh, no. And he taught God that. He said, God, if you find 10 righteous people, will you spare the city? And God says, yes, I will. Because I believe Abraham's thinking, okay, at least there's got to be 10. My nephew, his wife, da-da-da, 10. Unfortunately, there weren't 10 righteous people in the city. But the interesting thing is, was that God had that kind of relationship with Abraham. Abraham who had the heart of God and was, was asking God, crying out to God for mercy on a wicked city. And God was willing and desiring to show mercy. But there was so much wickedness and, you know, we know the rest of the story. Another example was Moses. The example with him. And God, he talking God out of wiping out and judging the nation of Israel. And these men talked with God. We're talking about Almighty God, the all-consuming fire. I mean, huge, magnificent, powerful. And he desires to have a relationship, intimate relationship with you, little old you. And you know, it's interesting. How many of you have flown on a jet before? You know, where you go 30,000 plus feet in the air. If you find in a jet and you take off and you look out the window... And it's not a cloudy day and you can see down and you see the cars and you see the houses and you see the, then you get higher and you start to see the mile sections. And then you get so high that you can't even see the cars anymore. They're too small. And I always start thinking, man, all these people, and you know that you're so high, you can't even see the cars anymore. And you can barely see houses and everything is just so small. And I'm thinking, imagine the people, how small the people are. And then imagine how big God is. He's huge. I mean, that's not even a, a word that does justice. But I was getting a perspective when I was realizing how small. I can't even see the, the cars, the houses and everything. And so imagine how small people are compared to God. And yet God 
did all this cool stuff so that he can have a relationship, intimate relationship with these little specks called you and me. Isn't that something? I mean, that is amazing to me. And he has ordained, he has established and set things up in such a way that his kingdom has to flow through his people. And he desires for his kingdom, his power, to manifest and flow through you and me. And he's orchestrated. He's got it all set up. It started with the cross. And when Jesus said, it is finished, and he died, that meant everything was in place. Boom. We can be reconciled to God. Our sin was taken care of. We can have a relationship with God. And then when Jesus came back, when he was wrote, when he was alive again, and he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. And he, he gave the authority to his, his disciples. And then they received the same Holy Spirit that he had. So everything has now been put in place so that we can walk in the same power and the same authority that Jesus did. And he said, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you ask whatever you desire and it will happen. In Psalms 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of somebody else's heart. He will give you the desires of God's heart. Not even what it says. He will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that amazing? In 1 John, I believe it's chapter 4 or 5, I forgot to look it up, that here's the confidence we have that when we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us and will grant our petitions. When we pray according to his will, when we pray according to his will. Now that includes needs, our needs and our desires, and of course, God's kingdom. In other words, we can pray and definitely pray for the manifestation of his kingdom, people being saved, healed, and all that, but also includes the desires that we have. The desires that we have. You know, men, those of you who are married, how many of you love to give your wife not only things that she needs, she says, honey, you know, we really need this, and okay, we'll take care of that, but you know things that she desires. And you know she desires whatever it is, And you love to bless her with that because of the relationship you have with her. I mean, God longs to give us the desires of our heart. I mean, those of you who have been around a while, you've heard the testimony that that I've shared of how God gave my wife and I a cruise, seven-day free cruise to the Caribbean. Seven days. That's a whole big story in of itself. But God blew me away, and I was was shocked because I don't want to get into this too long, but I was praying... And God interrupted me, and I thought it was the devil. Because I was praying, and of course, I was praying kingdom stuff. And I was tearing it up. I was praying in tongues. I was praying in whatever language was coming out. I was getting it on. And then, and then I hear this voice ask me for a cruise. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke that worldliness. Because out of the blue, I rebuke. I mean, because I'm praying kingdom stuff. And then he says, I want to give you a cruise. I'm like, no. That's, see, that's that P-A-D-D. I rebuked it it went away two weeks later I'm praying again same thing I'm going to give you a cruise well long story short we were given a cruise and my wife went on that and that's a whole crazy story awesome and I remember coming back 
and praying. And I said, God, I don't, I don't understand this at all. Because that cruise, now we got to witness the people. I mean, we had a great time. It was awesome. But it was, it was like the best the world has to offer. Those of you who have been on a cruise, it's like the best the world has to offer. All its glitz and glamour and fashion and food out the wazoo. I mean, it's just all this stuff. And it was so cool because it's like, wow, look at this. I mean, we ate all the time. I mean, just you just gorge on just worldliness, <laughs> just all this stuff. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, you know, I, I remember my favorite place to go. This may sound weird, but bear with me. My favorite place to go was to, they had a casino. They had two casinos. One was on the upper level. I used to go to this casino. I just sit there and watch people. I'm a people watcher. I'm a people watcher. And I sit there and watch people. And I remember this, this elderly lady was always in the same spot when, when I was there at the blackjack table. Cigarette hanging out of her mouth, drink, playing, whatever. I don't know if she was winning or losing, but every time I went through there, she was always sitting there. And I remember the Lord speaking to me, saying, you know, this is the best the world has to offer. But this is nothing in comparison to what I have for you. Nothing in comparison. It almost broke me because it was like I got to taste the best of the world. And it was in no way satisfying. I mean, it was okay. It was fun. But it was like, okay. Okay, I had that. I'm ready to move on. But here was the interesting thing. When I got back from that, that cruise, and it was fun. We had a great time, me and Lisa. Um, I would say that we had an extra kid come out of that, but I'm not going to say that. Now, I said I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no comment. Anyway, when I came back and I, was, and I was praying, and I said, Lord, I don't get this. That was just strange. Why in the world would you give us a cruise? It didn't make sense to me, eternally speaking. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a fun seven days. It was crazy. I said, God, I don't get this. Why? And then he, here's what I believe the Holy Spirit told me. And it was almost in a, it was kind of a, almost a sorrowful type voice. That makes sense. But he said, CJ, how I long to bless my children. And what I mean by a sorrowful voice, was it the impression I got? Now, of course, this is all subjective. I can't prove any of this, but this is what I believe happened. The impression I got was he was saying how I long to bless my children, but we stand in the way of what he wants to do. We stand in the way of him totally being, just releasing his blessing on us. And he said, not only am I going to give you that cruise, but I'm also going to do this. And he, he told me some things that he was going to do, and, and many of them have come to pass. Crazy blessing. And we're still waiting for one. And me and my family were praying for that. Like, God, remember that you said this 19 years ago? But how he longs to bless, to give us a foretaste of, because see, nothing on this planet really compares to what we're going to experience when we're with him forever. And actually, we're actually going to be on this planet then. That's a whole, anyway, won't get into all that. But it doesn't compare to what he has for us. But I believe every once in a while, as we're on our way to seeing his kingdom being fulfilled, seeing people get saved, healed, delivered, set free, restored to God and all that, 
as we're moving along the lines of cool things like that, oh, here's a blessing right here. Here, go on a cruise. Here, do this. Here, I want to just bless you with this. Like, wow, wow, wow. But I believe that what can happen, though, is those things can consume us. You know, God wants to bless his children with, I believe, kingdom resources, financial resources, so that we can propagate the kingdom, so we can pay for what needs to be paid for. But if he were, some of us, if he were to bless us with financial blessing, our character could not handle it, and it, handle it, and it would ruin us. It would just ruin us. It would destroy us. And so my prayer has been, God, prepare me. Build my character so I can handle your blessing, that I can handle whatever you want to bring my way. So anyway, the, the thing I want to convey is that he wants to have the type of relationship with you and me that we pray and our prayers are heard and answered. That people's lives are changed, that people have an encounter with Jesus when they come in contact with us. Remember, he said, abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will wish or desire and it shall be done for you. And so anyway, so we talked about we're going on this fast because the way the Lord practically told me that you need to deal with this P-A-D-D. Hope you never forget that term. P-A-D-D, prayer, attention, deficit, disorder. I don't know if it really exists, but, but it does. And so he began to show me how He's going to help me deal with it. And I believe he's offering the same invitation to the church. And that's why we're doing this 21-day fast. 21-day fast. Because our focus and our attention needs to come back to him. And we have to get to where we are abiding in him. Because imagine what will happen when this church is abiding in Jesus and Jesus' words are abiding in us. What's going to happen? I mean, think about it, folks. What's going to happen? Crazy things are going to happen. And like I said before, the only response we're going to be able to have is to fall on our face and cry. Because we're going to see such the glory of God is manifested in people's lives. You know, as I talk to different ones of you and hear your heart, the the expression that God's put in your heart, the ministry to to various types of people, and I, I hear stories and I hear about the lives of people that are really messed up. People are really hurting. And that is such an understatement. But outside the doors, in this city, we don't have to go to New York. We don't have to go to L.A. We don't have to go to these big cities where we know there's problems. Stillwater, Oklahoma, USA, has people that are really in need. Whether it's abuse of all kinds, whether it's addiction, whether it's whatever you can think of. I remember a friend telling me, about a relative, and he was sharing this story with me, and, and he told me to, he said, I'm going to tell you about this relative, and, and he said, you might want to fasten your seatbelt. And inside I was like, yeah, whatever. I said, bring it, I can take it. I've heard it all. Boy, did I regret that. Because he told me stuff that I almost couldn't take it. My soul was freaking out because I'm thinking, this cannot be true, what he's telling me. People cannot endure this kind of life and still live and be sane. And we're talking about ritualistic abuse. We're talking about abuse, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And the sad reality is there are people that we may rub shoulders with, that we may work with, that we may bump into at Walmart, 
that are living hell on earth. And Jesus knows those people and he weeps for them. And he says, I long to have the type of relationship with my kids that they'll do something about that. And it won't just be some nice function. But his kids being able to walk up to them, embrace them, and the love, the power, and manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God just blasts and changes that person's life. That's what we're talking about. Changing lives. And so anyway, a practical way is fasting. We're fasting. I know that's a bad word. <laughs> Some people, I know it's a bad word to me. I realized that over the years, I've done what I can, could, in a stealth kind of way to avoid fasting. Being truthful with you. I've avoided it. Now, I've done, and Lisa was reminding me, she says, well, what about, remember back when we were youth pastors? We, she said, I used to fast a lot. And I said, yeah, you're right, I did. That's because I had a pastor that was awesome and that would challenge me to fast. And I took on that challenge and I did that. But I never really embraced that discipline for myself. I never really saw the need. I, I could always talk myself out of not really needing to do that. But things are changing. The Holy Spirit's talking to me. So we're talking about fasting. What is it? Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. And the spiritual purpose is mainly focusing on and spending more time with God, abiding in Him, drawing closer to Him. Or repenting. We see all kinds of examples of people in the Bible. But every time they fasted, every time you see fast in the, in the Old or New Testament, it was people refraining from food. And, you know, it's always been a normal part of a relationship with God. We see King David fasted. The Apostle Paul. The disciples later. And, you know, Jesus himself even fasted. And you think about it, I mean, God himself walking in the flesh on the earth, powerful, effective, accomplishing the will of God, and he started his ministry out with a 40-day fast. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus needed to fast, do you think you and I need to fast? And I was thinking, how in the world could I used to think that I didn't have to fast, but I can still walk in the effectiveness that God has for me? But yet Jesus started off his ministry of fasting. So fasting is a normal part, or should be a normal part of our relationship with God. It brings us into a deeper, more intimate, and powerful relationship with the Lord. And I believe that Jesus taught that fasting is something that should be a normal part of our lives. And I never saw that before. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked of, 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 of the things he talked about, there were three he mentioned that he taught on. Giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. Those three things. And he didn't say, you know, if you do these things. He said, when you give. And he gave instruction. 
And then he said, when you give, don't do it like the hypocrites do or the religious people who want to, you know, the world to say, oh, look how giving and wonderful that person is. He said, do it in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you in secret. Thank you. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you give in secret and you're doing it with the right heart and purpose, God rewards you openly. He doesn't reward you in secret. He says, when you pray, don't pray as the hypocrites or the Pharisees or the religious people who like to pray and be spiritually known or known as spiritual. He says, but pray in secret and your father will reward you openly. Then he also said, when you fast. And see, this is the part I always kind of glazed over that part of the scripture. And I'm serious. I used to skip right over it, not pay attention. Because see, I could, I, two out of three, hey, that's not a bad percentage. At least it's passing, right? 67%. The D, bro. But he said, when you fast. You know, don't do it like the hypocrites, but do it in secret. You know, or don't, you know, when you're fasting, don't walk around with a gloomy face. Oh, feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for me. We're fasting. I can't eat. I can eat that chocolate cake that I want to. But he says, wash your face. You know, quit doing that. Do it the correct way with the right heart. And your father will reward you openly. He rewards us openly. Three things. And here's a connection. That book that I told you that, that we sold last week called Fasting by Jensen... Franklin, I have one copy left. One copy left. You can, you can get on the internet, and that copy, it says $8 on it, but it's $50 today. First one gets it. <clears throat> that is an excellent book, an excellent resource about fasting and encouraging you to and, and the how-tos and the whys and all that kind of stuff. And some of the things that I've, in my notes, I've taken from that book. But it's an excellent resource. On fasting, I would encourage you to get that. Uh, or those of you who have Kindles and iPhones and pads and everything, you can get it on Amazon for, for 10 bucks. It's a great resource. I encourage you, encourage you to get it. But something that I learned, and it just, boom. You remember that, the parable of the sower? When Jesus is talking about there's the there's different kinds of soil, and then the last one he says, the good soil, the seed is planted, and it bears fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. Remember that? Mark chapter 4, I believe. That seemed to me kind of a random, okay, 30, sometimes you're going to bear 30%, sometimes you're going to bear 60%, sometimes you're going to bear 100%, or some people are going to be ordained to bear more fruit than others. I used to always wonder, how do you go from 30% to 100% or 100-fold fruitfulness? And here's what I believe, and, and this is what this brother taught in that book, and it just, it just set me on fire. In the, in the Old and New Testament, in, in God's Word, he always talks, there's a lot of times he talks in threes. In Ecclesiastes, it says that a, that a three-strand cord is not easily broken. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, all, there's all kinds of patterns of three. And Jesus taught on giving, prayer, and fasting. Those three things. Those three things. I believe that when you incorporate all three. See, we agree. We all agree. We even taught recently on giving. We should give. It's an ordained thing of God. And all that kind of thing, we agree, yes. And as a Christian, that should be a part of my life. As I'm maturing and growing in Him, I should give. Prayer, we all agree, we need to be praying. Fasting, different story. 
Because I'm hungry. Now, I don't want to talk about fasting. And you know, that, that discipline is not taught a lot in the church. It's not practiced even more, or it's not practiced even less in the church, fasting. But those three things, I believe that when you practice those three or put those into your life, that's how you get the hundredfold return. And remember, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Remember that? He desires for you to be 100% fruitful, have a hundredfold return. That's his desire. He's the one that said it. And I believe he was showing us how. Giving, prayer, and fasting. Now, I'm not talking about formulas. I'm not saying, oh, if I just pray and give and fast, then everything's going to be automatic. That's not how it works. When you give yourself to those things, you're giving yourself to the Holy Spirit to transform you, to change you, because you, you're giving. It's not just praying to be praying, but you're giving yourself to the Word. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. You're walking in obedience. You're allowing Him to change you. Fasting is part of the process that's going to help transform you into His image. But it's part of the process that I've been neglecting for so many years. And I believe I've been stunting my growth to a certain extent. Because I've avoided something that he shows as important. So important that he even did it. And you know another time when, when uh, I believe it was John's disciples. John's disciples. I believe it was John's disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, the Pharisees are fasting and we're fasting. Why aren't your boys fasting? Like, look, we need to all be in this together. I know we got to suffer. You need to be doing it too. Small joke. Glad some of you got it. But he said, you cannot expect them to be mourning while they have the bridegroom with them. But the bridegroom is going to be taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus was expecting his disciples to fast, but not when he was around. Basically what he was saying. As long as I'm here, they don't need to fast. When I'm gone, they're going to need to fast. And here's something that I I found that was pretty, very interesting. You know, when, um, let's see if I have it. The story when the guys came back from the Mountain of Transfiguration. Mountain of Transfiguration. Yeah, Matthew chapter 17. Remember when the three guys were with Jesus and he transformed on the mountain and all that kind of stuff? Then when they came back, there was a crowd. And it says, verse 14, it says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now we're talking, here's a man with a need, a young, his boy is in, is in trouble. Now the disciples obviously had the reputation that they could get it done. Because why would this man bring his son to the disciples? Because they had healed people before. They had cast out devils before, right? Remember that? There was a rejoicing. Look, even the demons are subject to our name. And Jesus says, don't rejoice in that, but rejoice in this other thing. But the disciples were given the authority and the power by Jesus to get it done to heal, to cast out devils. So right here, he brings his son to his disciples. He says, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, oh, foolish and perverse generation, how long 
Shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? You know, I've read this many, 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 many times, and it just clicked recently. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Boom. And I knew that part before, so I thought, okay, I need to deal with unbelief. Some demons, you got to deal with them, you got to have a higher faith level. He said, because of your unbelief. But then here's the part I didn't catch before. And again, this brother in that book, Fasting, goes into it more detail, and that's where I learned this from, and it's exciting. It says, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Right here, he's declaring, he didn't say you need more faith. Jesus never said they needed more faith. He says, if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, the mustard seed is the smallest seed, but it produces the biggest plant. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, he used the smallest object to remove the biggest object. You can say to a mountain, they were probably, they probably looking at the distance and he says, maybe he had a seed, picked up a little mustard seed. If you have faith the size of this mustard seed, you can say to that thing over there, move and it will move. So it wasn't that they had to have a bunch of faith. And then he goes on to say, and nothing shall be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. There's that dirty word again. Prayer and fasting. And here's what what just hit me and it, it excited me because I saw the answer that I hadn't seen before. Because, you know, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, maybe a debate or an argument. Is Jesus talking, when he says this kind only comes out by, was he talking about doubt and unbelief or was he talking about the demon? I mean, how many times have you heard or, you know, if you're praying, if you've ever encountered somebody who's demon-possessed, who's got some issues, and you're praying it, and all of a sudden you have this thought go through your mind. Ooh, maybe this is the kind that only comes out by fasting. Oh, No. I haven't fasted, therefore I can't do anything. Has anybody ever? And if you're in a situation like that, and maybe the demon says, I'm the kind that only comes up by fasting. You haven't been fasting. I ain't going anywhere. Now I've dealt with a lot of different types of situations including demonized people. So this is a reality to me and some of you as well. But here's the thing that that excited me. Getting back to Jesus said, giving, praying, and fasting. 30, 60, 100 fold. Why could not the disciples cast this dude out? Or dude, this legion, this demons out. Jesus had been fasting. Now, we know he fasted at the beginning of his ministry and possibly throughout the ministry. We don't know that. Probably. But that's just a guess. Okay? 
The disciples, we can also speculate. Now, this is speculation, okay? So don't write this down in stone. The disciples probably had not been fasting because at one point, the disciples of John said, hey, why aren't these boys fasting? Jesus said, they don't need to while I'm here. But when I'm gone, they will. So they probably hadn't been fasting. And all of a sudden, they run into a situation because, see, the disciples are cool. They're, they're casting out demons. They're getting people healed. Everything's all good. All of a sudden, they run into a situation that they run right into a wall, and they can't get it done, and they're shocked. What in the world's going on? Did our power leave our hands or what? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And Jesus had to take care of it. They weren't, again, I'm paraphrasing, this is my, my belief, the disciples weren't equipped to handle that situation at that point. After Jesus rose back and they had the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff, they were equipped. But at that point, because I believe they were fasting, and I believe all the things that they needed to have incorporated in their lives and everything they were doing. So here's what really hit me in my heart, and I'm excited. The one missing thing that I believe is in the church or missing from the church is fasting. When we incorporate, when we grab a hold of fasting, just like we believe in giving and just like we believe in prayer, and we put fasting on the same grounds, we're going to see power restored to the church. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. We will see power restored to the church because guess what that's going to do? It's not the act of going without food that's going to bring the power. It's what you do during that act of going without food because you're spending concentrated and more time abiding in Him and you're allowing His Word to abide in you. That's what you do during a fast. Not just not eat. That's called dieting. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about just going without food. I don't need to go without food. I'll disappear. I'll turn sideways and you'll say, where did he go? I'll say, here I am. Sorry. (laughs) Another bad joke. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. That's good. And listening. And I believe that when we fast, one thing it does, I'm not going to get into all the benefits or not everything about fasting. I'm not going to do a comprehensive study on fasting. I don't have time. I don't have the knowledge, actually. But when you fast, it helps you to become more sensitive to hear him. And like our brother was just saying, it's not just about talking, 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 God, I need this, God, do this, God, 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 God. But it's being able to hear is dealing with that soul clutter that we're talking about before. You see, in fasting, now those, I know there are some who are, are turning off the, the Facebook, turning off the iPods and iPads and all that kind of stuff, turning off the Xbox 390Xs and all that stuff. And that's good. That in itself is not fasting. That should be part of the fast. We should be turning stuff off. We should be turning off the, all that stuff. But the main focus is spending time with him. But here's what I want to encourage you with. Here's what I believe. We need to, when we're talking about fasting, biblical fasting, it needs to include some type of abstinence from food. I'm going to say that again. It needs to include. Now, if you would ask me this two weeks ago, I would have said no. I would have said, no, I believe 
you know, fasting, if you turn off the iPads and turn off this, that's good. I don't agree with that anymore because I've been reading the Bible. And it changed my opinion. I just say, hey, what does the word have to say? Oh, it didn't say anything about Xboxes or iPads or Facebook. Jesus didn't rebuke it. You know, why couldn't we cast this one out? You've been spending too much time on Facebook, dude. He didn't say that. But biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Our purpose, drawing close to him. Now, talking about the food thing for a minute. Now, I know there's different situations, and I know there's, there's health issues and medications and that kind of thing. So I know that, that there may be certain things that you can and cannot do. And I don't, I'm, not the, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you what you can and cannot do. I would encourage you to talk to your doctor, get wisdom from a, a, a doctor to know what you should and shouldn't do. But don't dismiss yourself from fasting from food. Do not. And the reason why I'm saying that now, please... I hope you know my heart. I understand my heart. I'm not trying to be religious on you. I'm not trying to be legalistic. You know, this morning in, in our prayer time, brother had the word, take your foot off the, off the brake. That's what the Lord is saying to us. Take our foot off the brake. In other words, he wants us to accelerate. He wants us to move at a higher velocity into his stuff, his kingdom and everything. But we hold back by not running into and, and, and doing the things that's going to help us accelerate. And so here's what I would encourage you to do. Is, Lord, what can I do? What can I fast? Whether it's sugar. You know, there's a Daniel fast where you take out the meat, take out the sugar, take out the bread, take out all the good stuff. Just leave the bad stuff. Like fruits, vegetables, you know, grains. I'm just kidding. That's the one we've chosen to do. And I thought that was going to be a lot easier than it is. I wanted to cry last night. <laughs> I, you know what I did? Lisa made this wonderful something. It was good for us. <laughs> and it was tasty. It was actually good. But it had some stuff missing. I'm like, you know, dude, where's the beef, you know? And... <laughs> Because my soul is like, I want more. I want some beef or chicken or something. So I ate that and I ate more. I mean, I ate a lot. My plate was, I had to make up for what was missing. But it was funny because after that, you know, all of a sudden my taste buds kick in and it's like, all right, that was okay. I'm ready for something sweet. Bring it, you know. Thinking, and I, I want to be careful. I want to be sensitive to y'all. So I don't want to start talking about food too much. But I started thinking about the stuff I all of a sudden craved and wanted right now. I want it now. And I wanted to cry because I couldn't have it now. I think, how many more days we got? Dang it. <laughs> we just started this thing. But here's what I realized. You know, and this morning I woke up, and it, w- it, was, it was cool because this morning I woke up, and it, did, it hadn't gone away. That piece of cake was still there, still floating. You want me, you know. <laughs> But you know, it was cool though. When I woke up this morning and I went in his presence and spent time with him, I've decided to use, when I have that craving for, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> certain types of foods, 
I'm going to let that be a signal to spend time with him. And so this morning when I got up and I had something yelling at me, saying, you want me? I said, no, I'm going to Jesus right now. And I had a great time this morning. I'm like, Lord, help me. i got 19 more days. <laughs> but here's, here's a verse I want to read to you that got my attention this morning out of many. Philippians 4, if I can find it. Excuse me, Philippians 3. It says, however, Philippians 3.16, however, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, excuse me, brethren, join in following my example. This is Paul talking to the church. And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly or appetite. And whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Whose God is their belly or their appetite. You know what I realized? You know why fasting is so difficult? Because it is confronting, it's like this brother says in his book, King Stomach. Seriously. Food is a big thing in this culture. It probably is in every culture. I'm not talking about just food for the sake of living. I'm not talking about bare knees so that you don't starve. I'm talking about food. When you go to restaurants and you see how much they waste, they had to pass a law recently in Oklahoma. I heard this on the radio a few few weeks, a few couple months ago. That you know it was illegal, like when you work at McDonald's like I used to, and when the food was sitting in the bin for like 15 minutes and they had to throw it away. Throw it away in the garbage. Then they had to put it in the dumpster. If you had homeless people or whatever, you couldn't say, hey, I know this food's only 15, 20 minutes old. You can't have it. I know you're starving. You can't have it. Because by law, we have to throw it away. They just passed the law in Oklahoma to now the the restaurants can give that food to starving people in Oklahoma. Isn't that crazy that it took this long? But anyway, back to food in this in our society, every time in Stillwater a new restaurant opens up, guess where everybody's at? It can be a new McDonald's. Everybody's like, did you know that new McDonald's open? Let's go to McDonald's. It's like McDonald's? But it, it's just crazy how any new restaurant in town opens, the place is packed. I remember when they opened years ago when they opened that A&W and... Um, Thank you, Long John Silvers. You guys know this stuff too much. <laughs> I remember when it, I mean, we're talking Long John Silvers, which we already had before, and A&W. You know, fish, greasy fish. Sorry, I'm sorry that I'm talking about food again. Dang. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Okay. New restaurant. We went, the, I think we went opening night, didn't we? Took the whole family. And it was packed. We worship food. And so then you have this word fasting come along. And me, who's the king at this, can make all kinds of excuses why I don't need to fast. And I've done that for many, 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 many years. 
whose appetite is their God. Their appetite. The Bible talks about walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. We walk in the flesh so often, but we want to be sensitive spiritually. We want to walk in the flesh, but be spiritually powerful. It doesn't work. We want to walk, if we want to be spiritually powerful, we have to walk after the man of the spirit. We have to do spiritual things. We have to do things that's going to elevate and lift up and build up our spirit man and put down and subject, bring into subjection our flesh. Why do you think giving is so hard, especially when it comes to money? Man, that money's too close to my flesh. Man, that's my money. I worked hard for my money. And so there's a way when we give, it's a way to, one, keep our heart in check. Like, okay, I'm okay. I'm able to give. My heart is okay. If I'm having a hard time giving, something's wrong with my heart, get it evaluated, get it adjusted, and then be able to do that. Prayer is the same thing. Why don't I want to spend time in prayer? What is the hardest thing for you to do? You know, you interview many Christians and say, what's the one spiritual discipline that you have a hard time with besides fasting? Prayer. Man, I'm really struggling with my quiet times. Prayer in the Word. I'm really, you know, I don't read the Word like I should. I don't spend time praying like I should. Why? Because we're letting our flesh dominate us. That's why. And my soul, you know, every time I, when I pray, there's, then there are times when I get excited about praying. Like this morning I was excited about praying. There have been times when I just love spending time with him. But there's a lot of times when I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go spend some time with him. I'm thinking, well, you know, that game that I haven't watched yet, that's still recorded or, you know, some trivial like that. Or it could be anything else. You know what? I need to clean that office. Man, you know, now's a good time to do that. We, get, we would rather do anything other than pray. I mean, are you with me? I mean, you don't have to agree with me. Just agree. I want you to tell on yourself. But praying is hard. But it's one of the most powerful things on the planet, in the universe. Fasting. is hard. But it's the third thing out of the three, I believe, if we engage in. Say, Lord, give me the grace. And that's what I've been praying for. I say, God, thank you for the grace to do this. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the grace. Because I want to know him more. I've been a Christian for a number of years. Since 1986. When I got saved. And I long to know him more than I ever have before. I just hunger to know him. And I hear him speak to me, and it is so awesome. And then he's showing me out of his graciousness and kindness, he's saying, son, I want more of you too. I want you to draw closer. I have so much more for you. You know, there's been things that have been prophesied over me and Lisa that are bigger than they scare me to death. But I realize that there's no way I can walk in what he has for me and us if I don't allow him to transform me. And I recognize that one of his tools to transform me has to do with fasting. I'm beginning to recognize that and I'm beginning to embrace it. Ask me 19 days from now if I feel the same way. But I am excited. You know, when I was talking to a couple the other night, and they were telling, you know, just telling me about kids that they ministered to and everything. 
And I think, you know, as I was saying, I just think of people who, that are messed up and hurting, and my heart wants to break, but I get more excited because my thought is, it's coming. The power to set them free is coming to this church, because I believe we're going to have a day when people are just going to simply walk through this door and get set free, get saved, get delivered, because the presence of God, because his people are just submitting to him. You know, like we sing one of my favorite songs that we sing this morning, we are here for you. That is our theme. That is who we are, what we're about. We are here for him, Jesus. We are here for him. And he is inviting us as a church, as his people, to come, come closer to me. I want to encourage you to engage in fasting because that's a tool that will enable us to draw closer to him. It will deal with that PADD, help me to become more focused, help deal with that soul clutter. And it's already happening. My, my time has been more focused. It's been more enjoyable. My stomach growls a little bit, but that's okay. Remember how I mentioned this before? Remember how Jesus, he despised the shame of the cross. I I keep forgetting to look it up, but he endured the cross. He had the joy. The joy on the other side of that cross enabled him to go through it. He He was despising the shame of the cross, but he was looking forward to the joy of you and me. And when I think of fasting, not eating this and not having that and all that kind of stuff, the joy, what's on the other side of that? is what excites me. Being more sensitive to his spirit, being able to minister more effectively to people, seeing people get healed. And like, I like what Pastor Dale said uh, a few weeks ago when we were up here praying. He says, you know, we want to see people get, I can't remember the term he used, I believe he said, really saved or all the way saved or something like that. Because we know too many people who say they're Christians, but there's no fruit in their life. There's no hunger in their lives for the things of God. But when you see a person go from Total worldliness, total depravity to Jesus freak. That's what I want to see. And God wants to use us to be those instruments, his people, to go and be a blessing to people in this community. Amen? But we have to tell King's stomach it's time for him to bow. It's time for him to submit. His days of ruling and reigning are over. And I hope inside you're saying amen, even though you're crying. I know inside I'm crying. And I want to encourage you as a family, you know this fasting thing? Do what you can to be creative. Here's what happens when you start to fast. Well, here's what I've seen happen in my life. You start to get grumpy. Okay? <laughs> you start to get moody. You start to get irritate, irritable, all that kind of stuff. So you have to be on guard for that. And if you start noticing that, you might need to remove yourself to get, do whatever you need to. But be on guard for that so that you don't make this whole 21 days just a sour, sorry experience. And it can be that way if you're not careful. But it can be full of joy. It can be excitement. And remember the power of God. And I believe as we're praying on these blue cards, I would encourage you to pick one up on your way out, you know, it has some things that we're focusing on as a church. And I also want to encourage you to put the things down as a family or an individual that you're believing God for. And I believe we're going to have testimony after testimony after testimony of the things that happen as a result of us spending our time with him and fasting and, and seeking him. I believe there's going to be breakthrough. I really believe it. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Because 
I really believe it. And I'm excited about what we're going to see. Would you stand with me? I barely covered my notes. But I just hope that the heart of God was conveyed that he's wanting to invite us in to draw closer to him. And through fasting. And I would encourage you, if you have any more questions about that, um, I would encourage you, there's some resources on the internet, I would, on our website, and the internet. You know, if you plan to, like you say, I want to do the Daniel fast, Lisa's gotten all kinds of information, like hallelujah, because I thought all we could eat was this and this. I thought, dang, this is going to be hard. But there's a lot more variety, you know, than, than you might be aware of. But engage God and don't see what you can do to get away from it. Say, Lord, how can I fast? Knowing my limitations and my circumstances, how can I engage you in this? Amen? Amen. All right. Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the invitation. Lord, we accept. And Jesus, you said you no longer call us servants, but friends. And we want to walk in full friendship status. Lord, that's what you desire. It's for our prayers to be answered, for you to be glorified. And so, Lord, we submit to your process. We submit to you. We just love you, and we want more of your presence in our lives. We want to be closer. We want to know you more. We want to hear you. We want to hear your will for our lives. And I thank you, Father, as we draw close to you and and things become more clear, we're going to begin to hear, people are going to begin to hear the will of God for their lives. They're going to begin to hear and receive the wisdom and instruction that they've been longing for and looking for because that clutter is going to dissipate, that static is going to diminish, and your voice, Father, is going to be more clear. I thank you for that. We thank you for the breakthroughs that we're going to see. Physical healing breakthrough, financial breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough, people getting saved, lost loved ones or loved ones that have strayed from God, them coming back to God. Father, I thank you for the answered prayers that we're going to see. Lord, we thank you for the open doors of effective ministry that are going to be blasted wide open. And Father, when those doors are open, we will be ready to walk through them because we've allowed you to transform us. We've allowed you to to train us up and to prepare us to be ready so we can walk through those doors. Thank you so much, Father. You are awesome. We love you. We bless you and we thank you. And Father, again, I just thank you for a church who's hungry. It is such a blessing to be part of a church of people that are hungry for you. I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.